A wise man once said, if you hear a horse, don't look for a zebra. Applied to today's politics, when you find drugs, find a drug addict. And contrary to the gyrations and tortured logic of politics, that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. It's just one of many truths you're going to hear us mention today. So many of them we mention every day, we actually begin to take all those for granted. But that's something we should never be tempted to do. Don't just look at the world around you and think it's not going to change, that everything good that we've created, we the people have created, that it's just going to last forever. Because as we're watching, it isn't lasting forever. Didn't take Comrade Biden very long to turn upside down much of the economic good things that were put in place during the Trump administration. And he, Joe Biden, is still finding ways to dismantle all those things that are affiliated with Donald Trump, his arch nemesis. Can you imagine a world in which a sitting U.S. president with Absolutely no restraint, no guilt, not even thinking negatively about what he is doing. Can you imagine any president weaponizing the Department of Justice from top to bottom, the courts around the nation, weaponizing all those people that comprise the Department of Justice from current Attorney General Merrick Garland, FBI Director Christopher Wray, right on down the line, weaponizing them? And that infrastructure against his opponent in an upcoming race, not because there was any wrongdoing, but just because they don't want Donald Trump to get back in Washington, D.C. at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And they're scared to death about it. We have some huge news stories to tell you this morning. You're going to hear from some people. Looking back over the last few days, some people that have some thoughts that are very wise. But before we do that, why don't we do something a little more relaxing, okay? Why don't we listen to, um, oh, I don't know, Carol King. Remember this big song from 1970, The Summer? It's too late. Stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time. There's something wrong here, there can be no denying One of us is changing, or maybe we've just stopped trying And it's too late, baby, now it's too late Though we really did try to make it Something inside 
She's a great piano player, and of course, she wrote that song and many, many others. I said that came out in the summer of 1970. I was off a year. I forgot. I graduated in May of 1971, and that's the month that that song came out. It was on her album called Tapestry. Now, you didn't think you were listening to a rock and roll, old rock and roll radio program this morning, did you? Sometimes you just like to know some things that you don't really know, but isn't it kind of cool every once in a while to say, yeah, yeah, you know, Carol King from the Tapestry album, she had all those hits, including It's Too Late and I've Got a Friend or You've Got a Friend and all those good songs. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, good morning and welcome to TNN Live. It's going to be a great Friday. It's going to be an even better weekend. Just think about it. If you are one of those workers that's stuck working outdoors, <laughs> about 5 o'clock this afternoon, you're going to get to go to the house and you don't have to get outside in all the heat and humidity tomorrow or Sunday. You can just enjoy it. For the rest of us, we're just going to do our thing and try to stay cool, calm, and collected. I'm a little concerned about something up here in northwest Louisiana this time of year, especially with what we're facing now here. We've got probably 40 days in a row, and I'm guessing I could look it up and get actual numbers, but about 40 days in a row that our temperature, it didn't just kind of get a little bit over 100. We had 105, 106, 107 degrees every single day. Now, a lot of people think, that's no big deal. Look at what Death Valley and Las Vegas and parts of Arizona, look at what they deal with every year. Yeah, but they're accustomed to that. We're not here in North Louisiana, I promise you. Now, we have tons of humidity. It's pretty much year-round. And folks that live in dry heat places, which is a place like Las Vegas or southwest Arizona, it's dry heat now. I don't care what anybody says. Dry heat at 105, 110, 115 degrees is really, really hot. But if you put 95 degrees, which is normal for this time of year in a lot of places around the nation, 
but you slap in Louisiana's 92, 95, 98% relative humidity, you cannot keep dry. You're going to sweat and continue to sweat, and you don't have that where you have really low humidities. And a lot of people just take that for granted. I'm not saying we're hotter than you or we're more uncomfortable than you. I'm just saying there's a lot of danger in facing these kind of weather conditions, especially back-to-back days, because people get out in it. They're not accustomed to it. And all of a sudden, they just get in a heat stroke kind of thing. And we're seeing that happen every day here in North Louisiana. This is football time, and this is the South. You know we love our football in the South, and our kids, high school, college, even pro teams in the South, places like Miami and and, uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, all of these big cities where there are NFL teams, they are in humid conditions. Now, fortunately, many of those, they have indoor practice facilities, but not these high schools and very few colleges, and that's dangerous for these players. So if you've got a kid in school that's participating in extracurricular, athletic, after-school kind of things, be careful with your kid and make sure they hydrate and not just drink plain old water. I know everybody's got their clue of this is what you do to be sure you don't lose your electrolytes and all that kind of stuff. You want to get electrolytes into your body, especially if you're perspiring a lot. But do a little research and don't just go grab a bunch of those drinks, you know, the high octane drinks that are supposed to be good for you when you sweat a lot. Make sure what you're putting in your kid's stomach is the right thing to help them to get through this heat and humidity in outdoor sports this time of year. You got all that for free. What do we have going on this morning? Well, let's take a look, see job unemployment benefit numbers came out just minutes ago. New claims for unemployment benefits down by 10,000 last week to 230,000. In comparison, that's lowest level in three weeks. If you don't understand the unemployment claim numbers and what it's all about, those claims, unemployment claims, are a proxy for job layoffs. This year, employers have continued to add workers and post job openings at record high levels, although both payroll growth and vacancies have fallen from last year's levels. Now, when you put all that together, those numbers together, what I just told you, it just doesn't add up. Last week, we did an in-depth story about why they don't add up. And you know what the missing link is that the Biden folks are not telling us every week? How many people are leaving the workforce? They're no longer filing for unemployment. Many of them have exhausted their legally obtainable employment unemployment benefits. So they can't be part of those numbers anymore. And then the other missing number that we don't have and we could have if our government wanted to be honest, how many jobs are leaving the job numbers because big agriculture companies, other kinds of companies that are paying big campaign dollars to Democrats, they're hiring illegals. 
paying them under the table so they don't have to match Social Security and Medicare, which you have to do if you're a legal employer and you pay people through the system. A lot of people are not working because their jobs have been taken and given to some illegal aliens. And that's just a fact. These numbers are seasonally adjusted always. So before that adjustment, claims fell by 15,466 to just a little below 200,000. That's the lowest level since last November. Continuing claims, those that are week to week, people still can't find a gig, and so they're filing for this week's unemployment. It fell, that number fell by 9,000 to 1,702,000 unemployed people that were unemployed a week ago. Now, this is low by historical standards, and it suggests if you want to believe the Biden economic numbers, it suggests that many workers are rapidly finding new jobs after being let go by downsizing employers. And these are reported with a one-week delay. The initial jobless claims often are a leading indicator for the economy, predicting increases in the unemployment rate in the direction of the overall economy. This year, though, claims have accurately indicated that a recession is not imminent, but it will not go away. It's still hanging on out there. And if you're like me, I don't trust the numbers that come out of this administration regarding unemployment, numbers of people employed, how many people are remaining in the workforce because everything just doesn't add up. You can't have one without having the other. You got to have people that are looking for jobs to get these massive number of open jobs filled. And if all of that was just okay and the balance was there, like they tell us it is, oh, there's no threat for recession. Horse hockey. The numbers don't fit together. Now, wait a minute, Dan. Are you saying the Biden administration people aren't telling the truth? Well... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit later in the show, you're going to hear a whole string of lies. <laughs> uh, Laura Ingram of Fox News, she uh, last night on her show, she put together a string. And we've, we've played over and over and over again here for you through the years. We've played multiple strings of Joe Biden lies. And I mean, it's very obvious. He's got somebody up there in Washington, D.C. that's kind of like mini Joe, lies all the time himself. And they act just alike. They tell lies, and they believe the lies they're telling us, apparently, or they're really good salesmen. Who else might that be? You want to guess or you want me to tell you? <laughs> Adam Schiff. Both of these guys, Joe Biden, our president, Adam Schiff, a Democrat congressman from California, both of them been around a long time and both of them been lying a long time. And everybody knows they are and they know everybody knows they are, but they just don't care. That's what you call pathological lying. It's gotten into their DNA. Every time Adam's going to talk, Adam's going to lie. Every time Joe's going to talk, Joe's going to lie. 
That's just the way it is. We want to go back and look at a little bit of leftover stuff from the debate on Wednesday night, the GOP debate. Eight candidates got up on stage, and it began like a three-ring circus. I didn't watch it live. I told you up front I wasn't going to watch it live, and I didn't watch the whole debate. I took some bits and pieces. I waited till after the fact. I knew the important elements would be picked up and played in part on numerous news agencies, which is exactly what happened. But everything was just what I expected. There were no surprises. Let me tell you this. We have a blockbuster surprise for you this morning about the 2024 election. Now, what could that possibly be? You're going to have to sit tight for that. So I got you looking for two things coming up, don't I? I want to move to uh, Megyn Kelly. You know Megyn Kelly, Michael, what is Michael's last name? We play his stuff here pretty regularly. Michael Knowles. He was on yesterday with Megyn Kelly. And Megyn, she's got the knack to hit stuff right on the head. Applicable things that are applicable each and every day. And she's been doing this podcast now uh, probably three months. Now, she's a holdover from the old days at Fox News. She left Fox News And NBC gave her a big daytime talk show, big contract, and it bombed. But they had to pay out her contract, over $20 million. She had to sit on the sidelines until her contract period was up. And so she's got this podcast, and she's pretty much right on. Michael Knowles, also a really good guy, very conservative writer and podcaster. And they got together yesterday. And they were analyzing what happened almost simultaneously with the debate Wednesday. But it happened over on Twitter. Oh, excuse me. It happened over on X, formerly known as Twitter. Used to be called Tucker on Twitter. Now it's Tucker on X. And they got to talking. Megan and Michael Knowles yesterday got to talking about that presentation and what our former president, had to say about stuff. I think you'll like this. The Trump interview on Tucker did have some classic Trump moments, which I I would just kick myself if we didn't get to some of them. Trump on Kamala Harris. Watch this, slot 16. She has some bad moments. Her moments are almost as bad as his. I think his are worse, actually. Yeah. But she seems pretty senile, too. She speaks in, uh, in rhyme. <laughs> you know, it's weird. It's weird. But she has bad moments. And in rhyme? What do you- well, the way she talks, the bus will go here and then the bus will go there because that's what buses do. And <laughs> it's weird. The whole thing is weird. This is not a president of the United States future. <laughs> By the way, we pulled a little of that. She did do a little bit on school buses. I don't think she rhymed, but here it is. 19. <laughs> Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just... There's something about the, and, and most of us, many of us went to school on the yellow school bus, right? It's part of, oh a, you know, a nostalgia and a memory of, of the excitement and joy of going to school. The school bus takes us there. <laughs> Inspiring. Trump nailed it. 
<laughs> wow. He, Trump has this odd ability because people point out that he's very clumsy with his words because he says things that are offensive and sometimes grammatically incorrect. He's really actually pretty precise with his words. He's got a kind of poetic diction. That's why he stumbled on that great slogan, Make America Great Again. And it's why all of his nicknames tend to stick and they're really biting and cutting. So I, I love that of all the things Trump could talk about there, he says, hey, you ever notice the way that that lady sounds like a sing-songy preschool teacher? da 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 And he's, he's totally right. And uh, it, it was as uh, important as anything else he could talk about in this interview that for, for which the stakes were just so low. He's just, I think he's just reminding everyone why they like him. And here's more of that in SOT 17. You don't think he's going to make it? To November of 20. Well, I, I think he's worse uh, mentally than he is physically, and physically he's not exactly uh, a triathlete <laughs> or any kind of an athlete. But you watch him, and it looks like he's walking on toothpicks. I think he looks terrible on the beach. <laughs> looks terrible on the Skinny beach. Skinny legs. Well, he can't walk through the sand. And there's somebody in there that thinks he looks fabulous <laughs> at the beach. I think he looks horrible at the beach. Plus, the beach doesn't represent what a president's supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be working. It's good stuff. Who else would say that stuff? Like only Trump and people, those are the kind of conversations you and I would have, you know, over a drink one yeah. day. We'd be like, yeah, what's he doing with those skinny legs on the beach? No one wants to see that, right? But only now do we have a president and candidate who says the stuff. Exactly. A couple of weeks ago, Karine Jean-Pierre oh, got in trouble because her Twitter account sent out a tweet that was supposed to come from the president's account. So it said, you know, when I, I ran saw. for president, blah, blah, blah. You realize it was all being run by staff. And it doesn't really matter. It's a minor gaffe. But it does reveal part of the reason why people like Trump, because Trump is a real person. You can't deny he's not focus group tested. He wasn't he wasn't bred in a Petri dish at Langley. This is a guy who is presenting to you exactly who he is, warts and all. And I know that there are some Republicans who want to pull their hair out over this because they think that he has a surplus of personality. But this is Democratic politics, lowercase d. It's about people. It's about the way that people feel. You know, a pal of ours likes to say that facts don't care about your feelings. And that's Largely true, but politics almost exclusively cares about your feelings. This was what was so unfortunate for DeSantis last night. I sincerely like Ron DeSantis. I, I think he's a good guy. He's been a great governor. He's a really admirable figure. He just wasn't able to connect last night, and he hasn't been able to connect and uh, people want to dismiss this and say, well, who cares? He's, he's got the charisma of competence, let's say. Okay, sure, that and a buck fifty is going to get you a pumpkin spice latte in about two weeks because you, love- you need to connect with the people on the trail. If you don't do it, then the number two guy is, is about to be Vivek Ramaswamy. Everybody has a take on everything Donald Trump. Everybody has a take on everything Joe Biden. Oh, and by the way, I am changing the way we're going to refer to President Biden on this show going forward because of all of the stuff that is happening in our nation today that when we look at, we all do the SMH, shake my head. We can't believe this is being instigated by any president of the United States. For that matter, any Department of Justice, Attorney General, FBI Director, And all those folks, including our president, are in the tank and they don't give a rip who knows about it, what people think about it. 
They're just doing what they think they can get away with to get Donald Trump out of the running to go back to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Everything they do is pointed in that direction. And so what's my name going to be for Joe Biden? It already is. Are you ready for this? Vladimir Biden. Vladimir Biden. That is what Joe's going to be called from this show through the election in 2024. Or maybe. Now, there's a chance he's not going to be in the election in 2024. And that is some of the news that I told you at the top of the show we're going to get into a little bit later. But let's do one look back at the debate. You know, we, we the day after, we always have some conclusions. But then we think and we listen to other people and we get new stuff. So the second day after is always a really good time to go back and think about a few things. There were eight candidates on that stage. You all know that. The consensus for mainstream media, only one candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy, stood out. Ramaswamy did not become the center of attention because he was young, quick, telegenic, relaxed, with an oversized plastic smile that many on social media find irritating. I happen to be one of those, although I'm jealous of his teeth. Ramaswamy became the night star. Why? For aggressively pursuing a MAGA agenda without any of former President Trump's baggage. Now, that takes some doing. you got to admit that. The similarities to Trump back in 2015 were unmistakable. Ramaswamy is an Ivy League-educated millionaire entrepreneur. He flies in his own private jet, has never run for public office. Sound a little bit like 2015 Trump? Draining the swamp is something Ramaswamy can do well, never having been part of one. The only other authentic non-swamp person with business credentials on that stage was North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, who created Great Plains Software and sold it to Microsoft for over a billion bucks before winning the election in a landslide to be the governor of North Dakota. The other six candidates looked unserious, did not appear to have a strategy that would help solve our American and the world's biggest problems. They were all eager for the job. But other than possibly Governor Ron DeSantis, whose biggest political accomplishment so far has been turning Florida deep red, none of the others instilled any confidence that they could become an effective leader of the entire free world. The debate continued for two hours, each candidate reciting their practice lines, But many of the responses were remarkably similar to those that you hear from Democrats. Let's look at a few specifics on abortion. Only North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum and Florida Governor DeSantis agreed that the matter is now irreversibly and correctly moved back to the states. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley said that a federal ban was impractical, meaning it was a process issue because the measure couldn't get 60 Senate votes, but did not appreciate the elegance of the Supreme Court decision when it ruled based on the supremacy of the Tenth Amendment. Mike Pence, he wants a six-week federal ban on abortion. Tim Scott wants a 15-week ban. Both sounded like Democrats arguing for federal control 
of a state issue. What about the federal debt? No candidate spoke convincingly about how they would solve the country's massive debt problem, now inching toward $50 trillion in 10 years. Pence avoided answering a question about how the debt ballooned during his time as vice president. Instead, he cautioned that the Trump tax cuts were about to sunset in 2025 and that he would irresponsibly extend them without saying how he would pay for them. And no one even raised the issue of entitlement reform with only a few talking about cuts in discretionary spending, which accounts for less than 15% of the budget. In other words, they just tiptoed around the edge of it, thinking we got more debates coming up so we can get in the weeds then. No one talked about election integrity. No one addressed what caused hundreds of thousands to march in D.C. on January 6, 2021. You remember that little day? No one complimented the many GOP states that have passed election integrity reform laws since 2020. Nobody would even touch it, wouldn't say a word about it. Why? Because they're scared to death. By staying away from the issue, they look like the average Democrat who insists that a whole slew of 2020 election irregularities, no excuse absentee ballots, drop boxes, insufficient signature validation, late acceptance of ballots, illegal zuck bucks type contributions, etc. Nobody brought up any of that. It doesn't merit any attention. That really hacked me off. Law and order. There were some comments about the idiocy of defunding the police and fentanyl. No one spoke about the disaster in the summer of 2020 when race riots killed four times as many people as on January 6th. No one had a plan to rid American urban areas of homelessness, abject poverty, unhygienic conditions, and drug abuse, other than to argue for more cops. We know that stepped-up law enforcement alone is not going to address the issue successfully. What about big tech, uh, big tech and misinformation? Governor DeSantis was most comfortable discussing how Florida dealt with school closings and mask mandates, but nearly everybody else seemed more like Democrats. No one challenged COVID's origins. No one declared that it was wrong for the government to work with big tech to suppress meaningful dialogue under the garb of misinformation. No one criticized the 51 intelligence officers who deliberately helped sway the election to Comrade Biden, Vladimir Biden. <laughs> what about Ukraine and other foreign policy? Nobody brought it up. The moderators shockingly did not bring up Ukraine until after the debate's first hour. Not a single candidate addressed why Russia did not attack Ukraine when Trump was in office. No one discussed the risk that the Russia-Ukraine war could escalate to World War III. Nobody assured Americans about nuclear weapons. Pence, Christie, and Haley continued the Democrat establishment position that supporting Ukraine is in America's national security interest, falsely asserting that Putin would invade other NATO countries if he weren't stopped in Ukraine. Nobody discussed the rise of the BRICS countries or 
how they would take steps to ensure that the dollar remains the world's dominant currency. And what about the deep state and lawfare? Other than Tim Scott, Ramaswamy, and DeSantis, no candidate spoke about the weaponization of the DOJ. No one talked about how the deep state triggered the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax that crippled the first two years of the Trump administration. No debater acknowledged that, based on what we now know about the Biden family's dealing in Ukraine, Trump's first impeachment was unwarranted. No candidate offered that regarding January 6th, Trump was already punished, being impeached a second time and acquitted a second time by the Senate. So pressing criminal charges against a political opponent was un-American. The modern GOP is firmly uniparty and indistinguishable from the Washington Democrats and the other Beltway types. Without a MAGA agenda, a new GOP administration would essentially look like the Biden administration, except for a couple of changes to appeal to the religious right. Now, let me point you guys to something. I've been watching the numbers of people logging on from around the world. We've got a big audience today. It's Friday. Everybody's catching up on stuff for the week. I wrote a story last night that went live this morning at 145 at truthnewsnet.org. Title is, You're Watching the Death of the Democrat Party. You're Watching the Death of the Democrat Party. Now, you may say that's a stretch, Dan, but I'm telling you this to make sure that you know about it and that you go take a look at it. Read it. Read it to top to bottom. Full of facts, full of comparisons. Wanted to make it easy for everybody to just spend a little while, make you think, and it's going to be one of those where you nod your head while you're reading it. Honestly, I pray that we are looking at the death of this Democrat Party. And oh, by the way, at the front of the story, I explain why I don't call that party the Democratic Party. Why? It's very simple. The Democrat Party is not Democratic. They can call themselves whatever they want to be, but Democratic, the term Democratic, was around before they got the name for their party. I'm taking it back. They're the Democrat Party. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I call the EMT? Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. 
I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman. You obviously, like me, you don't have a lot of extra time during the day, so you didn't go out on the street and just find some random folks sitting around and walk up to them with a microphone and say, hey, did you watch any of that GOP debate Wednesday night? And if you did, what'd you think about this? Or what'd you think about that? Or who did you feel like won that debate? Those kind of things. But we did. <laughs> and I want you to listen in just maybe two or three minutes of what people on the street had to say about the debate Wednesday night. Did you guys know there's a big Republican primary debate here on Wednesday? No. 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 Okay, are you are you following the primaries at all? No. <laughs> really? Did you guys vote in the last yes, election? Yes, yes, okay, okay. What what party did you vote for? Republican. Nice. Okay, but you're not we following it. Misinformed right now too. That's so bad. I swear. Can you name these people? Yep. Prove it. Well, the fat one's Chris Christie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have less than I can tell you that one. Yeah. I feel like this girl looks very familiar. And this guy. Uh, Is that Bill Clinton? <laughs> no. Oh, my Maybe gosh. Not. Probably okay. can name the majority of them. Okay. All right, are we ready? Yes. Donald Trump, everyone knows him, right? Chris Christie, mm-hmm. New Jersey, governor, right? Okay. Vivek Ramaswamy. How many more we got? You got a couple more, but you're, you're winning. Scott. Do you think this debate will influence your decision at all? Um, it's nice to hear their opinion, but Donald Trump won't be here, so. That's right. So does that affect your decision yes, to it watch it? I mean, I will still watch it. Wow. Just won't be impressed by it. <laughs> Trump has such a big lead, but is it going to make a difference? Do you think that this debate's really going to influence your decision? It's going to help, at least. You're going to see where people stand right away, but they're going to be battling each other and not the, the real problems that the United States has, seriously. What do, you, what do you want to hear about? I want to hear about how they're going to turn this country around. Seriously, we're, this is the United States of America, the best country in the world. And we seem to be spinning our wheels right now in the sand. Do you guys have a, any sort of second choice if it's not Trump? We should really read. <laughs> well, now Sean Spicer. <laughs> Sean Spicer for president. (laughs) Only if he dances. Yeah, Yeah, we have to see some dance moves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they all laughed. 
they had that in common. They weren't very into anybody that was at that debate participating in it. And you heard a couple there at the end say, really not interested too much in it because Donald Trump's not part of it. You know, there's one obvious thing former president has on anybody running for president right now. I don't care which one you're talking about. He's got a string of success stories of things that he accomplished when he was president. And if you put it in the context of all the stuff he had to deal with those four years, he was impeached twice. We had the pandemic, the COVID-19 Anthony Fauci pandemic that he had to deal with. School closures, jobs, corporations, everybody shut down. All of that, and he still had tremendous successes like no other president in my lifetime. And so those people that were doing the giggling, they knew that about him, and they were very comfortable in saying, you know what, none of these people you're showing us their pictures of could in any way replicate what Donald Trump did. He already did it. He told us he was going to do it, and he's already done it. Well, speaking of former President Trump, everybody knows, you all heard, many of you watched, he had to go had to go up to Atlanta, Fulton County, and check in there to accept his arrest. Formally, he was arrested for those charges by that grand jury from a week and a half ago. And um, for the first time in history, we have a former president of the United States that had a mugshot taken of him. I posted it on the story at the front page of truthdoesnet.org. You've probably seen it. It is everywhere. It will be the most viewed picture of anybody in world history, I promise you. And everybody's monetizing it. Everybody's using it to make money, to laugh, all those kinds of things. But when you look at his face in that mugshot, one thing is very evident. He's not happy about what's going on in his life right now. He was formally booked at the Fulton County Jail about 7.36 p.m. last night. Former president was booked in a process, took only about 20 minutes. He was released on a $200,000 bond. The process involved, of course, fingerprinting, having his picture taken, and then we, of course, just told you he's the first U.S. president to go through that. Online records from the Fulton County Sheriff's Office showed that he was booked on 13 charges related to allegations that a strategy by several of his lawyers that President Trump and those lawyers set up alternate groups of electors in multiple states, thereby postponing the electoral vote count. And according to the allegations, that amounted to a criminal enterprise. Forget about What happened out in Hawaii in 1960? They did exactly what Donald Trump is being processed for, and he didn't even do it, but they put together, Hawaii did, their own electors. They determined who they would be, and they were all for John F. Kennedy. Of course, that slate of electors weren't ever seated, just like On January 6th, nothing like that happened, even though Trump did not specifically try to do what's alleged there. I'm not going to go into all of that. You know what? There are so many things that are are purely 
political, this uh, far left uh, prosecutor in Fulton County, Georgia, Willis is her last name, she started using Donald Trump and what she was going to do to him as fundraisers for her upcoming election. And this mugshot's part of it. There should be some way President Trump should be able to push back against that. I just don't think it's right for somebody to take that, even though it's public information. I get that. And the picture's public. Anybody can get it online. I've already posted it on, as I said, our cover story in today's edition of truthnewsnet.org. But still, it's just sickening. This entire process is sickening. It was Russia, 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 and then it was Ukraine gate. And now look what's going on here. Impeached twice. (laughs) Election with very, very obvious uh, irregularities. I'll just be kind and say that. The 2020 election to put Joe Biden in the White House. 80 million people voted for Joe Biden. More people voted for Joe Biden than voted for Barack Obama either time? You really think that is true? There's no way it's true. So there's a downside, a possibility for this case over in Georgia, a downside for the case itself that uh, might be a good bit of information for former President Trump. Fox News' Martha McCallum asked Jonathan Turley, Jonathan Turley, a very learned constitutional attorney. And Martha asked him whether there would be a mugshot of Trump. It does make it very likely that we will see this rather ignoble moment of a mugshot, Turley said. Of course, it did happen. It appears to most of us being just clearly gratuitous why you would need a mugshot of the most recognizable face in the United States, if not one of the most in the world. But that is going to be part of this process, as is the bond that he will have to pay, which he did, $200,000. And then it's going to get, as I say, rather sporty. There's going to be an effort to try to get some of these issues reviewed before the trial. Now listen to this. That could be difficult with the racketeering case. Prosecutors tend to say, look, you might not like my evidence, but I've got enough of it that I should get to a jury. A lot of appellate judges agree with that. The problem is that this is an indictment where there are strong claims against some of those defendants when you look at insular crimes like access to voting machines. It's not that strong in my view with Donald Trump. In fact, I think it collapses if you believe that Trump believed that he could flip the state that he did, in fact, win the state and he took the advice of his legal team. That's not the type of case, I think, that's good for democracy. I don't think it's good to have a Democrat prosecutor pulling in the leading Republican candidate on that type of thin connection. You remember Mark Meadows, former Trump chief of staff. He surrendered yesterday morning after attempts by his lawyers to delay his arrest and move his trial to federal court. Trump's former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, also surrendered earlier this week alongside Sidney Powell. There are so many big-name people that are caught up in this scandal, and it is, 
It is a scandal. There's no question about it. And every day for the next, I'm going to predict for the next two years, this won't be tried until after the 2024 election. I'm telling you now, it will not be tried. There are too many moving parts, too many things that have to happen. Now, put in context, Fannie Willis, this prosecutor over in Fulton County, she's been working on this case for two years. Two years she's been working on it. All of a sudden, hey, we've been working on it for two years and we want a trial in two months. And every one of these, every one of these cases that are pending, the prosecutors want it done before the election. They want to use all of these trumped up charges, pun intended, trumped up charges. They want to use that to fight against Donald Trump in the 2024 election. And the American people are watching them expose this egregious attempt to use the justice system against a sitting president's number one political foe running against him for election. The American people recognize it, and they don't like it. I don't like it. I think it stinks. I think it reeks of unconstitutionality, of abusing by using, trying to take the Department of Justice and the rule of law and figure out a way to manipulate it into getting rid of a political opponent? Is this Venezuela? Is this one of those banana republics down in the Caribbean that we're talking about? No, it's the United States of America. The number one nation in world history, at least it was. And the book now is still out on that, in my opinion. Now, I told you I had a blockbuster, a real blockbuster to release to you information. It is regarding something that a long time ago, for those of you that are regulars here, you've heard me predict something that was going to happen in the 2024 election that's going to rock a lot of people, rock their world, and it's going to change a lot of things politically for a lot of people. Now, what could that be? I want you to think about it. Look back. What right now, in the midst of all of this chaos and confusion and all of the stuff that's being thrown at the wall regarding implicating Donald Trump to keep him from being able to run for president, Oh, by the way, none of this stuff they're doing is going to keep him from running. The Constitution is very plain at the only things that are required of anybody that wants to run for president. And guess what? Constitutionally, somebody can be in prison and still run, serving a jail sentence. What's the blockbuster? Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean, (laughs) you pick your champions, they're glorious, and their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian, they're spooky, they're um, um, big. And then you go to battle, and it's like. 
And finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction is such a primal feeling. Ooh. Download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. basketball game and heard the band play this song. (laughs) It is so recognizable. Every once in a while I hear it and automatically go back to college days at Louisiana Tech University. Well, I made you wait through that break. Let me just, let me just work around this. I want to get you thinking about this before I tell you what this blockbuster is about. Think about what would be the biggest thing that could potentially happen to really bring difference into this race. I mean, on one side of the ticket, we're going to have Donald Trump. On the other side, unless something changes drastically, you're going to have Joe Biden. That looks pretty much like uh, the pairing of the 2020 election, doesn't it? And those on the left, they don't want to see that. They don't want to see Donald Trump getting another shot at um, Comrade Biden, Vladimir Biden. They're worried. So what are their options? Do they have any options? Well, you got Marianne Williamson. You have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But the Democrat Party, they've already blown through that pair. They don't think either one of those is going to be able to beat whoever runs on the Republican side. So as Biden still sliding in the polls, insiders in the Democrat Party allegedly are working to convince somebody to throw the proverbial hat into the ring. Inside sources have reportedly said that the desperation is building up behind the scenes with some begging of... Michelle Obama to consider running for the Oval Office. And their efforts are bolstered by a recent poll that shows an announcement by the wife of former President Barack Obama would immediately put her in a hefty lead above Vladimir Biden. Uh Uh-oh. The Center Square's Voters Voice Poll The results of that poll indicate that Democrat voters favor Biden when he's paired up against long-shot candidates Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson, but an insider says a matchup with Ms. Obama would be a blowout. If Michelle announced, the election would go immediately from a hotly contested foot race to a landslide. Now, this is what this insider is reporting. 
Michelle received 48% support in the poll compared to Biden's meager 36%. As she still enjoys significant support among female voters, voters younger than 55, and those without children. Despite those numbers, Biden likely isn't feeling any kind of pressure from the Obamas. The former first lady has repeatedly denied having any interest at all in running for the presidency, and recent events haven't caused her to change her position, at least not publicly. However, it remains to be seen if she will be used as an emergency candidate if former President Trump gains too large a lead over Joe in the polls. Trump's recent legal woes have not stopped the Republican from moving forward with his campaign. In fact, many pundits think the prosecution of Trump only stands to strengthen his position among his rivals. So what do you think Barack thinks about that as a possibility? He's publicly thrown his support behind his ex-vice president. Barack recognizes the gravity of the situation with Joe's disappointing poll numbers. With 2024 coming closer and closer, he had to act since he apparently feels Joe is getting too old and frail to win. They're talking about the former president, Barack Obama. He had hoped, they say, that the president would have rallied and come into his own at this point, but that clearly has not happened. Another insider, I love it when these reports come from these anonymous sources or sources who deny to be named only for anonymity, yada, yada, yada. So another insider claimed that public support may not mean anything in private. While Barack has already endorsed Joe, he's reneged in private and will publicly throw Joe overboard in a heartbeat if he thinks the election is on the line, this insider said. So there you go. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I think if there is anybody on the left that could win this election, Michelle Obama could be that one person. So how sold are the Obamas on the need to, at all costs, win this 2024 election? We know how they all feel Everybody on the left feels about Donald Trump. They forget about his accomplishments because his accomplishments during his four years undid many of the so-called Barack Obama eight years worth of accomplished when Joe was with him as vice president. They don't like that fact. I just wonder if their hatred for the conservative the process of conservatism, if their hatred for that is significant enough to get Michelle back in the saddle thinking about running a campaign. I don't think she wants to do it, but there are so many people that think she could do it, and many people think she could do it easily. I don't think it would be easy for her. I really don't. I don't think she has that um, that sense that Barack Obama has. I've not heard her speak much in public. She's a a good speaker, though. But doing it all day, every day, for a full year, actually more than a year, if if they get started anytime soon, they need to if they're going to do it. I don't know if she can muster up the desire to do it for that. 
think about it. They have a pretty good life. They have that uh, amazing home uh, just outside of Honolulu, on the water, by the way. They have a big, nice, luxurious home in Washington, D.C. They still have a home in Chicago, and they have Secret Service with them, protection, travel, 24-7 for the rest of his life. I don't care who you are. That's a pretty darn good deal. And you got a good paycheck and expenses paid. And, of course, all he has to do is go out on the speaking trail and probably get a two or three or $400,000 paycheck every time he goes to speak to a group. That's not a bad way to finish your professional career. I'm just saying. So, have you heard anything about the numbers of the debate? Ratings. I would have thought yesterday they'd been all over the place. Nobody really talked about them. You know why? Because they weren't really good. Only 12.8 million people watched live Wednesday night. 13 million less than Donald Trump's 2015 debut. That's not a little difference. 13 million less than Trump's first debate. Only 12.8 million watched Fox News Republican primary debate. That's according to Nielsen. Now, does that have anything to do with Fox News and their plummeting viewership? I mean, they're in the tank. <laughs> when, when, they, when they nailed Tucker Carlson and kicked him to the curb, I said live on this show, there was going to be a hefty price for him to pay because he is the most admired believed conservative talk show host there is today has the or he had the biggest audience there have been over 150 million people that have looked in at his interview with Donald Trump it wasn't live it was pre-recorded but they played it on Twitter Tucker's Twitter former Twitter it's now X on uh his particular show they played it in full while the debate was going on Wednesday night. Now, remember, I just gave you these numbers. 12.8 million watched the Republican primary on various places where they were broadcasting it. 150 million people have looked in at that interview with Tucker. So what does this mean about anybody and about anything? Well, Fox claimed the debate drew more viewers than more than 70% of all presidential primary debates in the 2016 and 2020 cycles. They also said it was the highest-rated non-sports cable telecast this year. The Republican primary debate fell short of the first two Democrat primary debates back in 2020, which got 19 million, 15 million, respectively. The third Democrat debate got 10 million. Wednesday's debate ratings presumably suffered because Trump decided not to attend the event. He cited huge polling leads in his decision to forego the debate. Just five minutes before the debate began, Tucker Carlson released a counter-programming interview with Trump. The big winner in all of this. Who do you think it was? The big winner. Tucker Carlson, of all people, he got a chance to rub it in the faces of his former employer. By the way, they still 
or employing him. He's under contract through the end of 2014. And he's getting a big paycheck every month. And he's doing his show on X, formerly Twitter, every day. It's a pretty darn good deal for Tucker Carlson. And I don't think Lackland over at Fox News, I don't think he likes or thought anything like this would have happened with Tucker Carlson. But Tucker's like a cat. No matter how bad he falls, he's going to land on four feet. And it's because of substance, not because of, you know, he's a great speaker or he's a great television presence, you know, kind of like Megyn Kelly. Everybody knows she's gorgeous. She has a great speaking voice, very eloquent when she speaks. She's the whole deal. That's not Tucker Carlson. He's full of political content, and he's very substantial in that area. But the other stuff, the fluff, it's just not there. And I think they at Fox thought they could get rid of him and wouldn't suffer. They are struggling dramatically in their numbers across the board. Sean Hannity's now, everybody in the evening time, Laura Ingram, Jesse Waters, who replaced Tucker Carlson, even Greg Gutfeld that moved up an hour, even though he's number one in nighttime talk show, Gutfeld is, his numbers are still down. Fox's numbers are still down. And the reason is we here have joined other people over the last few years, and we have watched as Fox News slipped into a place of less conservative than they had been for a number of years. They owned that voice in cable news for years and years and years. Fox News was the place to go. But when you start removing the people that are the ones responsible for bringing the content to the American people that made them such a big winner, People start looking elsewhere. I started looking elsewhere a long time ago. And I always kept Fox as a go-to when we do show prep, making sure we don't miss anything. And we still do. But we don't rely on them like we did when this show began four seasons ago. That's just the way it rolls. So let's look at a few things they, um, they didn't bring up at the debate. There were some big topics, very important topics to the American people, and they weren't brought up by the moderators. So when that, when I realized all that, when I started looking back at the segments of the live debate, I, when I saw they weren't asking these questions, I began to ask, I wonder why they didn't do that. So what are we talking about? Big one was inflation. John Stuart Mill, he once wrote that the conservative party over in England was the stupidest party. And in the debate in Milwaukee Wednesday night, contenders for the GOP party's nomination for president, they attempted to prove they were the rightful heirs to being stupid. Inflation is by far the top concern for every American. Let me give you some proof of that. In the latest Economist YouGov survey, 25% of us say it is the top issue facing America. More than twice the closest runners-up of climate change at 11%, healthcare at 10 
jobs and the economy at 10. 75% of Americans say inflation is very important, and another 21% say it is somewhat important, making inflation an important issue for a stunning 96% of American adults. So what's true about Americans broadly is even more true about Republicans and independent voters. And Republicans and independents together are going to determine how they vote who will be the next president. 32% of Republicans say inflation is the most important issue. That's more than three times the 10% who named abortion and immigration as their top issue. The category of jobs in the economy came in at 9% tied with national security. So let's just look at the independents. Inflation scores as the number one issue at 26%, far higher than climate change, which was 11%, healthcare 10%, jobs in the economy 9%. All other issues are far less important to independent voters. A recent Pew Research poll found inflation is considered a very big problem by 77% of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents. The Economist YouGov survey has 87% of Republicans, 76% of independents saying inflation is very important. Another 10% of Republicans and 21% of independents describe inflation as somewhat important. So, cut to the chase, Dan. What's this all about? For some reason, Brett Baer, Martha McCallum, the two moderators, were told by their bosses at Fox News, don't ask questions on inflation. Now, I puzzled through this during the night last night, and that, it, you know, it, it, it may just be a mistake, but I don't see, knowing how far in advance they booked this thing, Fox News, and they knew Brett Baer and Martha McCallum were going to be the go-to people Mike side, and they're both very, very good at what they do. They were given the questions to ask. Their producers, maybe somebody upstairs, somebody told them and steered them away from inflation. We may never find out why. And that wasn't the only difference, the only enigma there. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley on Wednesday, in the debate, she interjected a line about transgender athletes in her answers about education. Still, despite the issue being one of the most significant issues upsetting America today, the Fox News debate moderators seemed quite uninterested in talking about transgenderism, anything to do with gender, gender ideology, all of those. Didn't even bring it up. When Haley was asked about education, for instance, as she wrapped up her answer on her policy ideas, she capped the segment when she said this, quote, I will always say I'm going to fight for girls all day long because strong girls become strong women. Strong women become strong leaders. And then she added, biological boys don't belong in the locker rooms of any of our girls. 
and she tweeted this out later. We have a lot of work to do in education, get our children reading, put vocational classes in our schools, transparency in the classroom, school choice, and yes, I will always fight for our girls. And that answer, it got her some respectable applause from the crowd for sure, but her inclusion of transgenderism was one of the few mentions of the issue during the whole night. Governors DeSantis and Bergram did mention the subject, as did Vivek Ramaswamy, but all did so as part of a laundry list answer to a question, not because the Fox News moderators asked anything about it. Senator Tim Scott also addressed the topic, but he brought it up during his closing statement, not in response to a question. He said, if God made you a man, you play sports against men. That's all he said. On the other hand, Martha McCallum seemed very concerned about whether Chris Christie would tell the world the truth about what the U.S. government knows about unidentified flying objects, (laughs) UFOs. Even Christie was taken aback by the question. And he blurted out, I get the UFO question? Come on, man. So meanwhile, as Fox worried about the war in Ukraine, abortion, and other issues, neither of the moderators brought up transgender athletes. The one issue that unites Republicans as no other and has been a focal point of controversy for the last two years, maybe even longer than that. Joe Biden has been using his power to regulate as a weapon to force all American schools from the deepest blue parts of California to the reddest parts of Texas to allow students born male to play as a girl in school sports. Biden has also been trying to force hospitals, healthcare providers, insurance companies to promulgate the radical transgender agenda all across this land. Meanwhile, nearly half the states, 23 so far, have passed or are considering passage of bills that place various levels of limits on transgender athletes in schools. 19 states have laws banning or limiting the use of dangerous chemical and surgical procedures to transition children, which the word transition is an enigma when you talk about gender transition, there's no such thing. Doesn't matter if you do surgery, beta blockers, whatever you do, you can't change a person's DNA. And that is the sole arbiter of their sex. That's a scientific fact, by the way. That's not a Danism. The bans and limitations are also pretty popular with the American people in general, not just Republicans. Daily Mail reported not only are most Americans in favor of the limits, but Biden's woke trans policies even put him at odds with his European buddies who are increasingly pulling back on blanket acceptance of puberty blockers, other radical transgender medical interventions on kids. It's one of the most controversial issues of the day and one that affects the health, safety, and mental well-being of children everywhere. Fox News? Ah, they didn't talk about any of that. Gender ideology, transgenderism, transition, yada, yada, yada. Instead, (laughs) UFOs. 
UFOs. And we're going to go to break. We've got some other real goodies for you. But going to break, you you hear me talk every once about Lachlan Murdoch. He's the son of Rupert Murdoch, and Lachlan is the CEO of Fox News. Listen to this. You know, they've been broiled in some really bad litigation Fox News has. Dominion Voting Systems got them for over a billion and a half dollars because of reporting that Dominion said was dishonest reporting about Dominion Voting System machines having something to do with changing the results of the election tabulation in 2020. Lachlan, yesterday we found out he doled out $840,000 in legal fees to a news publication that he sued. He sued a news publication for libel. He filed a lawsuit, and at some point, for some reason, he figured out, I can't win this, and he couldn't just drop his lawsuit. Part of the lawsuit and the court was, if he dropped out, he was going to have to pay the other side's legal fees, $840,000. The payment was made to Australian publisher Private Media. And it comes after Murdoch sued over an article published by one of its papers called Crikey. That's according to the New York Times. Murdoch sued Crikey's publisher for defamation in 2022 about an opinion piece that claimed he was involved with the January 6, 21 attack on the U.S. Capitol. The article boasted the headline, quote, Trump is a confirmed unhinged traitor and Murdoch is his unindicted co-conspirator. If Trump ends up at the dock for a variety of crimes committed as president, as he should be, not all of his co-conspirators will be there with him. That's Crikey's reporter Bernard Keene wrote that in June of last year. Nixon was famously the unindicted co-conspirator in Watergate. The Murdochs and their slew of poisonous Fox News commentators or the unindicted co-conspirators of this continuing crisis. Murdoch, in his suit, he alleged that the article was both defamatory and levied a number of false accusations, including that he had conspired with former President Trump to overturn the 2020 presidential election by inciting an armed mob to march on the Capitol to physically prevent the confirmation of election results. Now, that's from the documents that are filed publicly in Australia in court. Last April, Murdoch dropped his lawsuit against private media. The publisher was reportedly blindsided by it, according to The Guardian. Murdoch claimed he nixed the lawsuit because of the $787 million settlement between Fox News and Dominion Voting Systems. The lawsuit was settled two days before Murdoch dropped the defamation case. The Dominion Voting Systems case alleged that Fox News had damaged its reputation by peddling conspiracy theories regarding the 2020 presidential election. Things just continue to get worse and worse for those folks over at Fox News. And they're not used to losing. And their news empire, which Rupert Murdoch and the Murdoch family have big-time successes 
in their newspapers, their radio, and their television operations around the globe. They're very successful. But Lachlan, I think he let his ego get in the way of this one. I wonder how much of that $840,000 he had to pay his daddy, Rupert, is going to pay. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni, you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine dollars in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices. At participating locations plus. friend of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. Nope, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. Want safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all because the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. No identity politics. You know, we uh, we did that question thing. Why did they, the uh, debaters, the people that put the questions together, why did they not have Martha McCullum and uh, Brett Baird, the moderators, why didn't they even ask one single question on gender ideology? Everybody knows. That's a massive conversation that everybody is having, everybody in the nation. It comes up sooner or later, and it's, it's a shocking thing. Who would have thought five years ago that we would ever have to question or even think about Who can go to a girl's bathroom and who can go to a men's bathroom and who can get dressed in a women's locker room and who's got to go to the men's locker room? But not only is that happening now, it's happening every day 
and our government is opening the door for all kinds of violations of humanity by putting men who tell everybody, I think I'm a woman. That's all they have to say, and they got permission to go dress in a women's locker room right next to the women, the biological women who are dressing in that locker room or use the bathroom in a stall next to somebody the same way. And it didn't even come up. Megan Kelly with Michael Knowles, you heard a little input from them early in the show today, but they weighed in yesterday on the gender ideology question. Can you believe that they spent time on UFOs and on Oliver Anthony's song and a question about general patriotism and did not ask one question about this massive cultural issue and what we're doing to young children? Of course. I loved Christie's answer. It was the the only point of the night or the last five years where I thought Christie might win me over. And it's when he, he laughed at the moderators. He said, you're asking me about UFOs? Are you out mm-hmm. of your mind? But to your point, Megan, This is an issue where all Republicans seem to agree from the most populist nationalist types all the way to fairly establishment types. The problem is, though, that the debate was being moderated by Fox News and Fox is pro-trans and Fox has made that stance clear. Fox will use the fake pronouns when they refer to men who think they're women as she. Fox has even run segments lauding the transing of kids. So he who pays the piper Not too long ago. Like Not they, too they, long they did ago. that relatively recently. Right. And and so because they were running the show, that issue didn't come up. It was obviously a huge omission. I think it, it shows you the increasing gap between political elites and the Republican Party base and the conservative movement. Uh, but – Even if that issue had come up, I'm not sure it would have done very much. I watched the whole debate. I watched the whole Trump interview with Tucker, and I came away with it thinking, okay, some of that was entertaining. Some of that I did just because it's my job and other people aren't going to watch it. Uh, But ultimately, it just did not change a single thing. Yep. Can I ask you about the Trump interview on Tucker? I liked it as a counter program in that it's a middle finger to Fox and both of those guys have every right to do that. But um, no one's really talking about it. You know, it, it trended on Twitter, which is where, well, X, which is where it lived. It's not dominating. I haven't even seen any of it anywhere in the news today. You know, I wonder, like, I don't know if there was a way for Trump to counter program away from the debate. Um, But I don't know that it actually worked in terms of detracting from the attention. I think turning himself in today in Atlanta will. But what do you you make of it as a strategy? Conversation was two friends chatting on air, which was perfectly fine, but it's not going to grab headlines. Uh, The the big counter programming is going to be the mugshot. (laughs) The counter programming, in as much as people are supporting Trump increasingly because of the indictments, because the liberal establishment is wielding the political order in such a way that is unheard of in American history, obviously unjust. It is a recommendation of his candidacy. So it it was a fine middle finger to Fox for both of those guys and also an expression of where Trump stands. Trump is just different 
from basically anybody. He's an American original, but he's different from a lot of Republicans, too. And the the medium is the message often when it comes to Trump. And so if you had to ask right now, where is the conservative base? Do they support Fox News or Tucker Carlson? Obviously, they support Tucker. And, and mm-hmm. so it, it made perfect sense for him to do it. But it was never going to grab headlines. If Trump wants to grab headlines, he's got to get confrontational. But he just doesn't have to because he's got a 40 point lead. The person who should have learned that lesson is Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis has been playing the safest campaign I can imagine, and it's going to safely make him a loser in 2024. The only way that he has any chance, and frankly, I think the die is probably cast and the bizarre circumstances of this primary where for the first time since 1888, we've got an a a former president running for a non-consecutive second term, probably the circumstances mean nobody can beat Trump. But if you want to have any chance at all, you've got to get bold. You've got to take bold positions. You've got to go on on media that's going to be hostile to you. The one candidate who has done that so far is Vivek Ramaswamy, who nobody had heard of six months ago and who now might soon be the number two guy in this race. That's right. He goes everywhere. And it's not only has it exposed him and gotten his name out there, but it's honed his debate skills. I mean, you can see he's very practiced. He's very skilled. He he enjoys the back and forth. It's made him better. Uh, so the rest of the candidates could take a lesson there for sure. It's interesting to get the perspective of those two because they're both very different. Megan Kelly and Michael Knowles. Kelly is an attorney. Knowles is a media guy. And uh, you don't just ordinarily have two people that you put together from backgrounds like that that can talk coherently and explain what was really going on. And what we are finding out, looking back every day now and peeling back some layers of the onion about the debate, is we're finding out there's a whole lot more going on behind the scenes across the board than we ever thought there was or even could be. It's going to be interesting to watch going forward how all this plays out. Think about it. How many moving parts do we have already? We're more than a year. We're a year and what, three months? Let's see. September, October, November. A year and three months away from the election. And we've already got so many moving parts, I don't see any way for us to get them all handled in time to even have the election. Look at the trials that are lingering out there and all of the ancillary things that are part of these trials. How in the heck are they going to get all of this done? And, of course, that's the whole purpose for Joe Biden and his weaponized, highly weaponized Department of Justice. Merrick Garland just said, okay, Mr. President, I'll take care of it. We're going to wait till the last minute, but we're going to make sure we have Donald Trump backed up against the wall. He'll be so busy defending himself, he won't even think about giving a campaign speech. But you know what they left out? They left out the fact that Americans are on to them and that Americans knew when this began to happen what they were doing and why they were doing it. Every day it seems like there's another Democrat Party SMH, shake my head, don't understand it, don't know how it could possibly happen. They think, now remember this, they, the Democrat Party, the leadership in the party, they think they are smarter than anybody else in the room. And it doesn't matter what room they're in. Kindergarten classroom or a class with a 
very learned professor at Harvard Law School, whatever room they go into, because they're Democrats and they're in leadership, they're smarter than everybody there. And they're really doing stupid stuff. And that's fine with me. I kind of like to sit and watch and laugh at them a little bit, which is what I'm doing about this next thing. Did you hear that Joe Biden's Department of Justice has sued Elon Musk SpaceX? They sued SpaceX yesterday. So listen to what this lawsuit is about. You're not going to believe this. SpaceX is alleged to have engaged in discriminatory practices against individuals seeking asylum and refugees, and they did it, discriminated against these people by broadly excluding them throughout the hiring process, which, of course, is in violation of immigration regulations. Now, that's in the lawsuit filed by the Department of Justice. So although these asylees and refugees are legally permitted to work, SpaceX stated the company could not legally hire them. Now think about that. This is the Department of Justice. This is run by Merrick Garland, the number one law enforcement person in the nation. And SpaceX, they just came back and said, well, the reason we're not hiring them is because we can't hire them legally. (laughs) So here are the facts. From at least September of 2018 to at least May of last year, SpaceX discriminated against asylees and refugees throughout its hiring process, including during recruiting, screening, and selection in violation of the Immigration and Nationality Act, the INA. This comes from the lawsuit. Because of their citizenship status, asylees and refugees had virtually no chance of being fairly considered for or hired for any kind of job at SpaceX. The United States mandates employees to have at least a green card due to rockets classification as advanced weapons technology. That's the reason for them, the asylees and refugees, being excluded from consideration for employment at SpaceX. And the DOJ didn't even know their own regulation. And of course, the DOJ said, no, that's incorrect. In online postings and statements by SpaceX's CEO and other SpaceX officials and recruiters, SpaceX discouraged asylees and refugees from applying to the company by wrongly stating that SpaceX can only hire U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents. That's from the lawsuit. U.S. District Court Judge for the District of Columbia, Beryl Howell, held X in contempt and levied a $350,000 fine against the company after it produced former President Trump's account information three days after the court's deadline. SpaceX did not immediately respond to a request for demand.
So the Department of Justice, they make all the rules. You know, those law things. And so anybody working, using, being part of anything to do with rockets, rockets, the rockets at SpaceX are formally classified as advanced weapons technology. Therefore, SpaceX, I mean, they they were just going by the rules, they thought. They didn't think anything about it. It wasn't like, oh, we don't want these evil asylees and these immigrants working for us. If you don't have a green card, that means you've not been classified as being authorized to work especially on anything as significant as weapons-grade equipment. You think the Biden folks are eating up with their lust for power and more power? I'm pretty sure they are. I told you at the top of the show, those of you that weren't here, you didn't hear it. And let me say this, especially on Fridays, I get it. People have to tune in and tune out because of obligations. And everybody has very easy access to get to each and every show that we do from your favorite podcast hosting site. So I get that. But I want to make sure that you hear what I teased we were going to get in at the top of the show. And it has to do with Fox nighttime, a friend to every conservative, Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram last night, she just, it's its so easy for any of us to do, and we've done it here ourselves several times. Joe Biden, Comrade Biden, Vladimir Biden is a serial liar. He didn't just start it recently. He's been doing it for 50 years, and he's busted all the time for doing it and still does it. Listen to Laura and her little expose thing from last night. All right, Biden's lying about his house fire. Got us all thinking about the other things he's been lying to us about. Now, there's an ongoing problem with him. You can't say it's because he's old, because he's been doing this literally for decades. So let's get back into the time machine. Let's go back to 1987. Then Senator Joe Biden, he was 44. No signs of dementia, senility then. And for some reason, bragging about how smart he was. I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do, I suspect. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. And I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours. Okay. Here are the facts. He got a half scholarship and not a full one. And it was based on financial need, not in his great intellect. He also graduated 76th in a class of 85, not in the top half. All right, the next lie. 30 years ago, Nelson Mandela walked out of prison and entered into discussions about apartheid. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our UN ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. It's Soweto, isn't it? Anyway, the Washington Post actually gave Biden four Pinocchios on that one and said there's no evidence to support it. All right, there's another arrest story, though, this time while he was protesting for civil rights. Because I'm so damn old, I was there as well. <laughs> Seems like yesterday, the first time I got arrested. Anyway. 
All right. The New York Times said there is no evidence that he was ever arrested during a civil rights protest. Well, that has to be it, right? No, there's more. Biden claimed he watched the Pittsburgh Bridge collapse and with his own eyes. Pittsburgh is a city of bridges, more bridges in Pittsburgh than any other city in America. I watched that bridge collapse. I got there and saw it collapse. Didn't happen unless he has owl-like eyesight, because from the pool reports that day, the president had been told of the bridge collapse in Pittsburgh. He wasn't there. Now, I could keep this going all night. Okay, one more. I used to drive an 18-wheeler, man. Yeah. Oh, I wish oh, yeah. I could. <laughs> That's I awesome. got to. I used to drive a tractor trailer. And, oh, awesome. Uh, and so I know a little bit about driving big trucks. Now, the White House tried really, really hard to prove that one to be correct. But it turns out the president rode once in an 18-wheeler. So the lies keep coming. And the left keeps allowing them to come unchecked. So I think all of us need to ask ourselves, if he's willing to lie about something as silly as driving an 18-wheeler, what else is he lying to us about? I'll guarantee you this. There's at least one or two more things that uh, Joe is lying to us about. Don't even bring up the conversation about, I've never talked to my son or any of his business associates about anything. I've never talked to my brother about his overseas business operations. And we now know those are lies, blatant lies. He did it over and over and over again, and there's evidence, a plethora of evidence that proves that he did that. And what's sad is he didn't have to say anything. There's nothing wrong with a guy, I don't care who it is, president or just a regular dad talking to his son about personal things, including the work that the son does. You know there's trouble when somebody lies when they don't have to lie. It's a choice, and it's back to that pathological thing I told you about. A pathological liar is somebody that has lying. It's in his DNA. It's just something that that person's going to do over and over and over. And the big problem with that is then you have to, if you're listening to, working with, working for this particular person, is which thing they say is a lie and which one, if anyone, is actually true. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Dear Daddy. Dear Mom. I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express. 
a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. You know, something came out overnight that I've wondered about a lot. We've talked for, I guess, years now about the power of the public school teachers' unions, especially the big two, and how intertwined they have been with uh, politicians. (laughs) I can't even say the word. Politicians on the left, they've been in lockstep. Look at what happened all the way through the pandemic. They were all just one-minded. Well, the nation's two largest teachers' unions shelled out millions, millions of their members' dues on lobbying and other political initiatives. This is a fact. I've got the numbers. During the 2021-2022 fiscal year, the American Federation of Teachers spent $36 million of their members' dues on politics giving thousands to left-wing organizations such as Friends for Kathy Hochul, the Democrat New York Governor's Campaign, and Media Matters for America, Media Watchdog Group. Now, this is coming from a report by Americans for Fair Treatment, which is a union watchdog. The other teachers' union, NEA, National Education Association, they spent $50 million of its members' dues during the same period on lobbying and political initiatives, donating thousands to Building Back Together, an organization that focuses on pushing Democrat President Joe Biden's agenda, and March for Our Lives, a group that advocates for gun control. NEA and AFT are tasked with advocating for teachers across the country, but instead... They choose to involve themselves in partisan politics that many teachers disagree with. That's from Elizabeth Messenger, who is CEO of Americans for Fair Treatment. This research shines a light on what's really going on behind the scenes at large national unions, political and financial power grabs at the expense of government employees. Now think about it. If you're going to work If you want to be a teacher in public schools, you're going to be pushed, even though legally you can't be forced to join a union. If you want the ability to excel and to move up in the teaching world, you're going to have to play ball, which means you're going to have to be a member of the union, which means you're going to pay union dues, which means the unions have the unilateral authority to spend any of those union dues of yours supporting any political cause that the union wants and you have no recourse against them. Wow. About 17% of AFT spending was on lobbying and political initiatives with one million bucks donated to put Michigan first. That's an organization that purchased ads slamming Republican missioner Michigan gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon ahead of that 2022 election. The AF2 gave $275,000 to Red Wine and Blue, a coalition of moms 
who pushed for left-wing values. The NEA spent 7% of its members' dues on political initiatives and lobbying, $150,000 going to Emily's List, an organization dedicated to getting pro-abortion candidates elected. Another 180000 went to Ballot Initiative Strategy Center. That's a group that works to push measures that benefit people of color, queer, and low-income individuals. From the 2021 to 2022 reported period, AFT President Randy Weingarten made half a million bucks. During the same time period, the average teacher made $56,483. NEA President Becky Pringle raked in $449,000 during that reporting period. Pringle's salary is eight times more than what the average school teacher earns. Both of those unions have pushed gender ideology, racial initiatives into the classroom. In July, the NEA passed a measure that calls for the group and its members to promote sex change procedures for LGBTQ youth. The AFT held a professional development conference in July that featured a session for teachers on how to create an identity-affirming space within the classroom. The AFT and NEA, they don't even want to talk about any of this. And you can understand why they're getting busted. I guarantee you, I guarantee you this. Those union members that are pushed into joining the NEA or the AFT, before this report came out, they had no idea what their union dues were being spent on. And I don't know there's anything they can do about it to change it. Oh, well. Sky News came out just, I guess, a couple of hours ago with a question that most of us have been asking for years. Who is really, who is really running the White House? Now, think about that. We know it's not Vladimir Biden. We know that. Who is really running this administration. Serious question for you. Who is in charge in the White House? Because I tell you what, it's clearly not Joe Biden. I mean, there's big news happening pretty much everywhere. Hawaii, Georgia, Russia. And where's the president? Totally checked out. Have a look at what happened when reporters tried to get his reaction to the apparent death of Vladimir Putin's chef-turned-mercenary-turned-mutineer, Yevgeny Prigozhin. Mr. President, do you have a reaction to the plane crash in Russia? I don't know enough to know the answer. I've been working out for the last hour and a half. Don't know. Joe probably heard the name Prigozhin and thought it was an anti-reflux medication. Hey, Jill! Give me my Prigozhin. That ice cream's repeating on me like a Gatling gun. But seriously, so little actually comes out of this White House that a presidential yoga session is breaking news. Also, this just into us from the White House. The president, the first lady, and members of their family are taking a Pilates class right now, followed by a spin class. Um, This is out of the White House. 
Breaking news, this took place at the $18 million Lake Tahoe waterfront home of billionaire climate investor Tom Steyer and was the same holiday compound that Biden very briefly left to go visit the ruins in Maui last week working out while major news breaks out of Russia, holidaying at a billionaire's villa while Hawaii burns, and making it all about him. We have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday, and lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. Fact checkers have, of course, confirmed that Joe was exaggerating wildly there, and it was just a small kitchen fire that he is now saying is comparable to at least 150 dead and maybe a thousand more missing in those horror fires in Hawaii. A disaster that, by the way, for all of Joe Biden's talk of solidarity with Hawaii, has not seen anywhere near the outpouring you would expect of social media hashtags or flags or criticism of the White House for being out to lunch while a city burned. It's all pretty grim. But to come back to my earlier question, again, who's really in charge here? And do those people even want Biden around anymore? Well, the big stories this week are obviously the Republican debate and Trump's interview with Tucker Carlson and the vision of a leading presidential candidate turning himself in for booking in Georgia. And don't worry, we'll be talking all about that in a moment. There is still a lot going on with Joe and Hunter's legal problems. This week, it was revealed that the Justice Department, having had its hand forced, is now pursuing tax and foreign lobbying charges against Hunter. And there was this other story which got missed in the shuffle. Remember that time Joe Biden bragged about getting that prosecutor, Viktor Shokin, in the Ukraine fired? Supposedly because he was corrupt and he threatened to withhold USAID money to Ukraine to leverage him out of the job. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference and nah, I said, I'm not going to we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. Well, it's always been suspected this was a way to protect Burisma, the shonky oil and gas company that was paying Hunter a million bucks a year from prosecution. Now, check this out. Biden and his defenders always said that Shokin was corrupt and that getting rid of him was a way to clean up the notoriously dodgy Ukraine government and bureaucracy. Well, now it turns out there was a memo dated 2015 that said the opposite. This document stated that, quote, 
Ukraine has made sufficient progress on its reform agenda to justify a third guarantee of U.S. loans and aid. And one U.S. official even went out of his way in that document to praise Shokin specifically. This was, again, the same Shokin that was investigating Hunter's company, Burisma. I mean, it's not hard to paint a picture of what was going on here, is it? But you know, I don't believe in coincidences. So why is this news dribbling out now? Well, I've said for months that I do not believe the Democrats will wind up going to next November with Joe Biden on the ballot. And the brewing corruption scandal, plus Joe Biden's increasingly obvious failure to engage with the job, will give them just the excuse they need to move him on in favor of someone else. And as you know, we feel that exact same way here at TNN Live. Joe's not going to be on the ballot come November of 2024. The question still remains, who's going to run on the Democrat ticket? Of course, we've got Robert F. Kennedy Jr. out there, Marianne Williamson. Neither one of those have a snowball's chance of winning. But the Democrats have somebody else they're trying to get to run. Michelle Obama. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. We've got our bullet point offering in the morning. We'll see you Monday. Okay.